Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? I'm glad that you have taken some time to join me at the Off the Bench podcast. I am your host, Heidi St. John, and today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the preciousness of marriage. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys have joined me. As you guys know, I am spending a little bit of time this week with my friend Ken Ham and Kirk Cameron at the ARC Encounter for the Homeschool Experience. For those of you who are out in Williamstown, Kentucky or near Cincinnati, we want to encourage you to come out. Uh, I just did a really awesome event for moms, and tonight we're going to continue that at the ARC Encounter. So come out. If you've never been to the Creation Museum or to the ARC Encounter, this is my shameless plug for what Ken Ham has been doing for many, many years. Uh, uh, Ken and I have been friends for a long time. We met really out on the homeschool circuit, and this guy has fire in his bones to help you understand the importance of seeing the world through Scripture. We can trust God. We can take him at his word. When he said he created the world in seven days, he created it in seven days, and Ken makes an incredible argument for that at uh, the Creation Museum and also at the Ark Encounter. So I want to encourage you guys to come out. I will be there through Friday. Also want to remind you that uh, we are teaching on discernment right now at MomStrong International. This is the ministry that I founded for mothers, and we're going to help you understand what it means to look at everything that's coming at you because God has something he wants to say. God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. The Bible says that when God gave you his word, it was so that you could understand the things of God. And so we want to encourage you to check that out. You guys, we do a brand new Bible study there every month at MomStrongInternational.com. I'm excited to have my friend, Pastor Scott LaPierre, back on the show with me. He's the teaching pastor at Woodland Christian Church in Woodland, Washington. He's an author and a conference speaker. He and his wife, Katie, homeschool their nine children. They've been married for 15 years. And today we are actually going to tackle that topic, this tender topic of marriage, which is so misunderstood in the culture but God has a beautiful design for a marriage. Scott, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Heidi. Glad to be here. I'm glad that you're here. So you guys uh, have have celebrated 15 years of marriage. Jay and I, like I said, yesterday coming up on uh, our 33rd wedding. Out of, yeah, it goes fast. <laughs> I'm not I'm not joking you. Like one one minute we got a house full of kids and it's noisy and and uh, and the next minute most of them have moved out and you're back uh, hanging out with the person that you made all those little people with. And it's just the two of you again, and it happens really quickly. And I always tell parents, you know, uh, and I think this is a good place to start. I think the culture has it backwards. Certainly, uh, as it relates to motherhood, this is something I talk about a lot. You know, moms have been told for a long time uh, that when they're married, you know, their their primary focus should be on their children and uh, that their husband should sort of take care of himself. That's not to say that he can't, obviously. But it's not God's heart, right? God said that our, our we're to love him first, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And out of an overflow of what God does between me and him in my quiet time with the Lord and spending time in his word every day and taking that cool drink of water, I pour first into my husband. And out of an overflow of that, the two of us pour into our children. And we got a lot of screwed up marriages in the culture right now. Certainly, I mean, we can talk forever about what the LGBTQIAWSTP community is doing right now to the issues of gender and marriage and uh, just basic things that God speaks about. But a lot of these issues that we're facing in marriage, pretty still basic. I mean, these are common marriage issues. What are some of the ones that you, uh, you're addressing? Because you've just talked about this in your new book. Yeah. So my marriage book, Your Marriage God's Way, it 
just to get a little momentum into what you just said, at creation, male and female, he created them, which is a lot more than just saying there was a male and female. It also identifies that there are roles and responsibilities associated with each of those genders. Not God made men and women different physically, but he made them different emotionally uh, and uh, mentally, and they have different roles and responsibilities in the church and in the What are you saying and, that they're different? Are you saying that they're, men and women are different? Come on. That's not popular. Come on, man. <laughs> what if I what if I decide to identify uh, as a guy? Let's say let's just say I decided. You know, does that it's what does it change anything how I see myself? It, it's an absolute uh, embracing of a lie. It's a denial of what God has has clearly said, and so it is to a, attempt to live a lie. But no matter mm-hmm. you know what people say, there are ways that men and women are fundamentally different, and God expects fundamentally different things from husbands versus wives, and fathers versus mothers, and uh, within the home, within the marriage, within within even the church. And so that's one of the things I really try to dissect in my book is just talk about what does God say to husbands and what does he say to wives? And there are differences and distinctions there and they're important. I mean, if we're going to have the fullest, you know, most joyful relationships we can, it, it is to walk in what God has said and not to embrace our own philosophies and definitely not the world's. I wasn't mm-hmm. raised in a, in a Christian uh, home, Heidi. So I became a Christian in my early twenties and I had to go through this radical paradigm oh, shift bad. associated with what marriage is and isn't. Yeah. And so it was like looking at God's word and saying, okay, husbands are called to be spiritual leaders, the head of the relationship. Wives are expected to submit to, and then to respect their husbands. And how does this play out? And and that's, you know, what I began doing with my church was preaching these sermons on marriage. I was thoroughly enjoying seeing what God said to husbands and wives. And so I, I really can't imagine, Heidi, what he must think when he looks down and mm-hmm. sees such an incredible denial, the perversion that's taking place, uh, you know, from and and how he would feel about what he's seeing us doing with with the gender roles. So it's mm-hmm. terrible. Well, it's terrible. And we're we're causing just irreparable harm, you know, just more, yeah. more and more confusion as we walk away. Yeah. Child abuse uh, to children. It, absolutely true. And we've devalued marriage. You know, years ago, uh, I did it. Um, one of my very first broadcasts with uh, with Dr. Dobson, I was probably coming up on 17 years ago. And I remember him just looking at me and saying, you know, Heidi, if if God blesses what you and Jay are doing, because we had a vision God had laid on our heart, even then, you know, for a homeschool resource center for just loving on families. And he just said, if God's going to give you a mission, I pray that it would be to families because that's what's under attack in the culture right now. The The family is the the building block of every culture. And we when we decide that it is no longer what God says it is, that we have a culture uh that's in that really is on the verge of collapse yes collapse yeah yep and that's exactly where we are right now but i but when you see i want to be sure i i get this question answered because i had some thoughts on it myself but uh what are some of the most common marriage problems that you keep hearing about today Mm -hmm. because i don't think they've changed a whole lot no they haven't so i'll answer one, one thing i'll say that i appreciate what you're saying though is if we have strong marriages we have strong families. If we have strong families, we have yep. strong churches. We have strong churches. We have strong society. But if the world yep. or the enemy can attack marriages, then we have weak marriage. And marriage is incredibly under attack. Weak marriages, weak families, weak churches, weak weak society. Yeah. That's what we're seeing. Now, there's kind of this idea of when, um, let's say, women's lib began or male chauvinism. And some people want to go back decades. And I would go back to Genesis 3. The mm-hmm. fall is when male chauvinism began. And the fall is when women's lip began because that's when we received sinful natures. That's when the curse took place. And really Genesis 3, interestingly, it's actually a discussion of what 
marriage will now look like in a fallen world. And so God, he criticizes Adam and he says, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. And so there's going to be a temptation for men not to be spiritual leaders, but to be passive. And when, and when we talk about men being spiritual leaders, we, we were kind of having a conversation, the two of us before the episode, where men lead like Christ led, which is a sacrificial love. It is an They're unconditional love. They're supposed to, yes. So should. That's should. the command. And, and yeah. one thing I'll just say about this while we start getting into discussions of marriages, when we look at where women are treated the worst, it's in those parts of the world that are furthest from the gospel or furthest from Christ. I mean, people look at the Middle East where furniture and animals are treated better than women, mm-hmm. and they wonder what is the solution for women to be cherished or cared. It's not psychology and it's not marriage. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, because when mm-hmm. the gospel is introduced, women are elevated to a level of care and concern that they don't know otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so when men become Christians and strive to love their wives as Christ loves the church, that's when women are cherished and adored and elevated to that level of uh, of honor and, and prominence within the relationship that that God desires. But so in Genesis three, God says, because you've heeded the voice of your wife and men are going to be tempted to be passive versus be spiritual leaders. And then he criticizes Eve and there is the desire. He says, your desire is going to be for your husband. Well, that's not, it's part of the curse. It's not a positive desire. God wasn't saying that women are going to desire their husbands in some wonderful, godly, loving way. He was saying women would have a desire to control their husbands. So a man is going to have to resist the temptation to be passive and women will have to resist that that temptation to control. And we see that in Proverbs where it talks about the temptation for women to nag their husbands and push them away to the corner of a rooftop or to out in the wilderness. And so in answer to your question, the problems we see in marriage, we have seen them throughout all human history because they began at the fall when we received a flesh, men and women, and that flesh plays itself out in different and distinct ways. Like in Colossians 3, for example, it says, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. There's not a corresponding verse telling wives not to be harsh with their husbands. And why is that? Because there's a greater tendency. Generally, women are nurturing, tender. It's not to say a woman could never be harsh with her husband, but for well, the most part. Hello, are you watching the Amber Heard trial right now? So, yes. <laughs> yeah, <we'll> say, <laughs> yeah, so it's not, it's not to say it's women can't. Not to say uh, that it can't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in Proverbs, the verses warning women against nagging, we don't see corresponding Versus for husbands, again, it's not to say a husband can't nag, but it's to say that a woman might have a greater propensity toward mm-hmm. that. And, but to recognize these things is so beautiful because then we're aware of them and we can strive to apply the wisdom from God's word so that we have the relationships that are full of joy and peace that God desires for us. Mm. Well, and, and uh, before we started uh, recording, you and I were talking a little bit about what it means for husbands to love their wives and this just beautiful illustration. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to pick this up because it's not what a lot of people think. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, so Scott, let's just jump right into the deep end here because that's fun. I like to hang out in the deep end. And uh, let's do it. There are a lot of misconceptions and anybody who's ever, who's heard my story all knows that I grew up in a, in an abusive home. So my dad became a Christian, I think a little bit later in life, but he learned what it meant to be a husband and a father from his dad, who was an alcoholic. And then when he did become a Christian, he became part of a very, very legalistic sect of Christianity that really subjugated women. And I grew up that way, you know, watched, uh, uh, I watched my mother be belittled, and certainly my dad had this idea that because he was the the man in the home, that meant you know uh, have my dinner on the table at thus and such a time, and here's here you know women do this and women do that. And when my mom went to the elders of her church and was being abused, and I was being abused, I mean my dad went to jail for some of the stuff that uh, that he did in our home. The first set of elders said, "Well, if you would just be more submissive, your husband wouldn't treat you that way." Uh, that's not God's heart. And I grew up hearing that over and over and over again. And I think when you see this this reaction, that's why I was telling before the show, this is a, a tender topic for me because the reaction of women who have been either abused or have been maligned in the culture, I think a lot of the the um, the feminist movement, you talk to some of these women who are super- uh, It's reactionary. Yes, it's reactionary. And it doesn't change the truth of God's word, but I also think it's important for us to acknowledge that women have been- uh, in this abused. situation, many times, even in the homeschool, I mean, for goodness sake, we could talk for hours about how this played out in the homeschool movement and the damage that was done there. But that's not God's heart for women. And I, I always want the women to hear that because, uh, and that's why I wanted you to lead. I feel like when we talk about men, it's so important for the men to be able to come on who understand God's word and say, listen, this was the first command that that Jesus gave to husbands. He said, love your wives. Uh like Christ of the church. And my firm belief is that women are born responders. You know, they're, they're born to be that, that responder. Uh, I don't know very many women who don't long to respond to the loving leadership of their husband and work in, uh, in that beautiful partnership that God has created. So unpack that for us a little yeah, bit. I'm just doing my best to keep my mouth shut here, Heidi, because there's about <laughs> five times I wanted to jump in and, and amen <laughs> what you were saying. So uh, briefly, there's ditches typically, you know, and we tend to swing to fall into one, you know, yep. on one side and on one in the marriage situation or male leadership, one, one side is passive. Men can be too passive and not lead. And then yep. the other ditch is obviously abusiveness. And so, like you mentioned, kind of some, in, some patriarchal circles uh, to be a spiritual leader means to dominate or control your wife, which is absolutely foreign from scripture. Um, So as far as wives being responders, so Ephesians 5.25 is the well-known command for husbands, that husbands would love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And it kind of begs the question, if that's the command, why are there any verses that follow? Well, the reason is that's the command. And then the following verses describe what it looks like for husbands to obey that command. And that's really important because if you went out into the world and you asked a hundred husbands what it looks like, or a hundred people to what it looks like for a husband to love his wife, you're probably going to get a hundred different answers. And you said society doesn't know what it means for a husband to love his wife. Society is probably going to say it means basically materialism, buy her a lot of expensive stuff, put her- Right, I thought diamonds were a girl's best friend. (laughs) Well said. And so that's, that's, there's good and bad news. The uh, bad news for women is that they, they, you know, 
they're not going to get diamonds, or at least God doesn't command that. But the good news is God commands something better, which is for husbands to love and cherish their wives and lead them well spiritually. And so after that verse, if we just move on, it says in verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her um, by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. And what I would just want to kind of zoom in on is those words that he might present the church to himself. There is such a a significant truth contained there that I want to make sure we don't miss. It basically says that Christ does what he does in verses 26 and 27, sanctifying and cleansing the church so that he gets a church that is holy and without blemish, without spot or wrinkle. And so the idea is Christ gets the church that he prepares for himself. But because this is primarily a marriage passage, it looks beyond Christ and the church to husbands and wives. The strong lesson for us as husbands is we get the wives that we prepare for ourselves. So let's say a man comes into my office and he's just trashing his wife and telling me how terrible she is. And he expects me to kind of pat him on the shoulder and say, oh, I'm so sorry for you. You know, I can't believe your wife acts that way. He doesn't know that silently in my mind, I'm thinking your wife probably wouldn't be acting that way if you had treated her better. That if you have been praying with your wife and and sanctifying and cleansing her with the word, what are the chances that she would be acting as, as harsh as you're saying? Generally, wives are responders. If wives are treated with gentleness and love and tenderness and forgiveness, generally wives will become gentler, more tender, kinder, more forgiving. But if women are treated with cruelty and harshness, you can expect to see a wife that is harsher and that is is crueler. I mean, the Bible says that you reap what you sow. The context is actually for finances there, but there's application for all areas of life. There was one time, and I'm ashamed to say this, Katie and I were having this argument, and she looked at me and she said, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I wasn't like this before we got married. And her point was she had gotten this from me. And I had to I had to take an honest look at myself and say, she's right. I, I We grew up together. I knew her, and she had actually become worse in one area because of me. And that required repentance on my part. And so there's multiple, there's two good reasons for a man to be a strong spiritual leader. One reason is that God will hold us responsible for it. But the other reason is that the husband who's a strong spiritual leader, and by strong, I mean loving, is doing himself a great service because he is ending up, he's getting the wife he prepared for himself, and he's ending up with a wife who is more sanctified and cleansed. And what does it mean to have a more spiritually mature wife? It means to see more fruit of the spirit. What man has ever sat back and said, oh, I'm just seeing too much fruit of the spirit for my wife, you know, too much love. She's too patient. She's too gentle, too much joy, too much Hate kindness. Too much <laughs> yeah. joy, too much joy. Yeah, it's true. And and I think, you know, when that when that is the uh, the role that is honored in the home, we really do see change in the culture. And uh, I've talked, you know, ad nauseum here at the show about what it means to respect husbands. And I can, we don't have time because we've only got about two and a half minutes left in the show today. But I love to hear um, men who have been married and are living this thing out and realizing God's promises are for all of us. They really, really are. And uh, and to for me to have come from where I came from uh, as a young girl growing up and then to see it modeled so badly in the homeschool community for so many years, uh, to watch my husband be the example to our children who now have children of their own. I mean, we're grandparents now and it's generational, right? We see that that loving uh, leadership in our home is passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, Jay's a nice, gentle guy. 
Yeah. And, and, and these, these are questions I get a lot here at the show because people will say, well, Heidi's the one who's in front and Heidi's the one, you know, my <laughs> face is the one that everybody knows. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I mean, there was, but a, Jay, Jay was, Jay can lead. He was a pastor for a number well, of he, years and, and he, he can. He is the leader. And I think that's what I want people to understand. You, just because the wife is, is is walking in her gifting, in this case, my gifting being a public speaker and being out in front of people, doesn't negate the fact that Jay is the leader of our home. And it just kind of goes to that beautiful illustration that uh, his job is really in nurturing his family is to kind of be the what he said, I told you earlier, the development director in our home, and just giving these opportunities for his family to walk in the calling and the gifting that God has given them. And it bears so much fruit. Mm-hmm. It's it kind of makes me so think of First fruit. Peter 3, the phrase that comes to mind is gentle, quiet spirit. But I think sometimes people think that it should say like gentle, quiet mouth, like a woman can never talk. But right. That's not what it says. It's, it's an inward, it's discussing. A woman could be, my wife's actually very vocal. She has a strong personality. She is. Uh, I know your wife. <laughs> yeah, you know, Katie. Uh, I'm incredibly blessed. And similarly, you could have a very quiet, introverted woman who's actually very rebellious and, in, in, you know, insubmissive to, to her husband or to authority. So it's it's actually a view of the heart that is is important here and not whether a woman, you know, talks a lot or is friendly or outgoing or bubbly or sociable. Or something. Right. And interestingly, I'll, you know, Heidi, while we're talking about this, I'll just share from the number of marriage conferences I've done um, and from the years as a pastor, I have not had many women coming in and complaining that the Bible commands them to respect their husbands or to submit to them. I've actually had more women coming and complaining that their husbands won't be spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. It, se- it seems to me that what women want or crave more than anything is a man that they can look up to, that they can respect. Again, not one that's going to dominate or be a tyrant in the relationship, but it seems like God has put in women this desire to have a husband that they can that they can follow, a husband will, who will love them like Christ loves the church, spiritually pray with them, read the word with them, be in the word, make godly decisions for the family. That's the common complaint I hear from wives. I wish my husband would be the spiritual leader that God's word commands. Well, I'm a little bit over time, but I want to ask you about this because I think it's important. Talk to the to the men who are listening right now. Because I mean, honestly, I, I guess it's fair for me because marriage is such a, it, it's, you know, every it's time tough. I, it's tough and, and, uh, and people come from different backgrounds. It's, and it's abused. Some of the commands are misused and abused. Yes. Yeah, absolutely true. But uh, what does it mean so to be a spiritual leader in your homes? Because my husband's always telling the men, start simple. Like it doesn't mean that you have to have a degree from Bible college. You know, can can you break it down into the simplest? Yeah, I'll say two things. So Genesis 2.18, everything's been good at the end of creation. The fall hasn't even happened yet. God looks and he says, it's not good for man to be alone, which surprises us because we usually think nothing was not good until after the fall. Uh, he gives him a helper. And um, it begins with receiving your wife's help, her thoughts, her counsel. You're going to lead by considering everything that your wife has to say about the decisions. You're taking her thoughts and advice into into consideration, and then you're making the decision that that's best for your home. Um, the other the other way I consider men being spiritual leaders is by reading the word with their families, gathering them around the word gathering them for prayer. And I've had men they've said, you know, I don't know if I can read the word with my family. And my response is, if you can read. You can read the word with your family. And that's where wives play a large part because many men are terrified to do that. And so if I could just briefly address the wives, your husband might be afraid of not knowing what to say, not knowing what the verse means, not knowing how to answer that question. And he really needs your encouragement. He needs you to look at him and thank him for being a godly man who will open the Bible with his family because there's a lot of there are a lot of men who won't do that. And I would if you have a husband 
who will read the word with this family, you're in a very small percent of the women in the world. So you should feel blessed by that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And you can be an encouragement. I love that you said that you can be an encouragement. There's a lot of moms listening to this right now who are, whose husbands, maybe they don't know the Lord or they're just there. He's not interested. And it doesn't mean, and I, I want the moms to hear this. If your husband is not taking that role or he doesn't know the Lord and he just is not interested then she needs to take that role, right? And be reading the Bible with her children and talking to her children uh, about the word. It's part of the ministry of Mom Strong International, teaching moms how to teach the word to their children. Uh, it's not something, I had a mom come here to the Homeschool Resource Center several years ago and said, well, I just didn't do it. It just didn't get done because that's my husband's job. Eh, total misunderstanding. <laughs> Think of Timothy. Right? Right. Oh, yeah. In right. And yeah. And Eunice, his for goodness sake, his, his, his grandmother, grandmother Eunice yes, had it, well which was my grandmother's name uh, mm. also. But my grandmother, I mean, I came from a very unhappy home. My grandmother is the reason I think by many in many, many uh, aspects of my life why I'm following the Lord. It was her influence on my life. And mothers cannot underestimate that. What do you say to the mom? who is broken hearted right now. She's listening and she goes, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have a Jay St. John. I don't have a Scott LaPierre. My husband's not interested. How can you encourage her? I think Timothy is that premier example in scripture. I mean, one of the godlier or godliest men in the New Testament. And he was raised, spiritually speaking, by a woman or by women. And I tend to believe that that's there to encourage that woman who is sitting there saying, you know, my husband won't be the spiritual leader. The other thing is 1 Peter 3, and this is really difficult. I mean, it's even hard for me to say, but in 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2, God does say that if your husband is not a believer, he will not obey the word or he's not a believer to strive to win him over by your Christ-like conduct and character. And so when when a hus- an unbelieving husband is married to a godly woman, he's going to see Christ through her. She's going to be a walking gospel presentation. I mean, how much closer can you get to the gospel than to lay down with your believing wife at night? And so, you know, please be encouraged, ladies, that in the language of 1 Corinthians 7, that your holiness, I don't know if I'd say it's going to rub off on him, or that it's necessarily contagious, but God wants to use you as the vessel of gospel presentation in your husband's life. It's not a guarantee he's going to become a Christian, but you can be encouraged that God wants to work through your behavior to reveal Christ to him. Mm, I think that's true. And and it and it kind of goes back to, you know, just walking in the fruits of the Spirit. I just answered a question from a listener uh, this last Monday that had a similar, kind of a similar overtone to it. But uh, and I guess I'll just end with kind of a, a little story today. I've told this across the country for years and years, but there were many, many years when Jay would come from. He was a pastor. He'd come home from work at the end of the day. And I've got little kids running around. I always tell parents, you know, little kids wreck your house and then big kids wreck your mind. It's a it's this big, you know, this sort of laying down that we do uh, when we're raising children. And one day my husband came home and I was just done. I mean, to tell you, I probably forgot to plug the crock pot in. The laundry was strewn all over the house. The kids are running around. They lost their math books for the 700th time. <laughs> and Jay comes home and I'm like pretty much just in a fetal position, you know, on the on the couch. <laughs> Ready to throw in the towel down. and call it oh, quits. And I was like, this is done. stupid. Everybody's getting on a bus tomorrow. I quit, you know. <laughs> and uh, he came and he just sat on the floor next to me. And he just he, he just put his hands up over my face and he said, he goes, what's what's going on? I go, look around. What do you think's going on? You check it out. You know, uh, I'm sucking at this. I can't do it. I don't like it. The kids don't like me. I don't like them. I don't even know if I like you right now. I don't like my life. And he, he just, he just said, Heidi, look at me, look at me in my eyes. So I looked at him and he said, ordinary women would be dead by now. 
I just kind of got this funny smile on my face. And he goes, there's nothing ordinary about you. He goes, I love that messy thing you're doing with your hair. Keep doing it. Those yoga pants you're wearing, you could wear them five more days in a row and they would still look great he on you. He just gave you the encouragement you needed. You know what moment. it was? He, we, we both knew he was lying, right? I wasn't doing a great job. My hair didn't look good. The pants were all messy and had spit up all over him, but his encouragement made me want to be a better mom. And that's what I mean about women being born responders. His his willingness to say, you're doing awesome. Even when I wasn't doing awesome, made me want to be a better mom. And that is the power of a godly husband. And uh, and I love it, uh, Scott, that you're addressing this and speaking directly to the issue. Where can people find your book? Yeah, so it's on Amazon, uh, Your Marriage, God's Way, the book and workbook, or, or christianbook.com or Barnes & Noble, and and uh, any place books are sold, they can find it. And then if they want to learn more about me at my website, and actually I have a free gift for your listeners. It's called Seven Biblical Insights for Healthy, Joyful, Christ-Centered Marriages. It's a pretty short read, just a few insights with some discussion questions. I'd love to get that in the hands of, of your listeners, a free gift from me to them to hopefully strengthen their marriages and exalt Christ at my website, scalapair.org. So thanks a lot for all you're doing, Heidi. We love you. Uh, so many people do. We know you're dealing dealing with a lot of discouragement and opposition, but it's kind of like we talked about it. I don't remember if it was, uh, when it was exactly earlier today, perhaps, but you know, if you don't ever want to get criticized, don't say anything. You're saying a lot. <laughs> and so <laughs> you're, you're rising, you know, you're climbing up here and it's like people are looking up at you and they, they might throw rocks with a ton of people below you that love you and s- support what you're doing. So thank you so much. Stay encouraged. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Come back again. Let's keep let's keep talking. Let's do it. All right. God bless you. Thank you. For more information on Scott LaPierre and his ministry to families, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Scroll down to the show notes and I will link back to all those things. Make sure you visit his website, ScottLapierre.com for that free gift, you guys. Be encouraged. The reason that I bring guests on to talk about family life and marriage and finances and all things is because God has a better way. His ways are better than the world's ways and they work. And that is the message from today. Hope you guys have a great day and come out and see me at the Ark Encounter. I'm there right now. Have a great day, everybody. And I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.